Hello and welcome to yet another episode of the Swiss Ballers Pod. I'm Fabo and as always I'm joined by two absolute ballers, my good friends Arman back home in Zurich and Dwayne, friend of the pod over in West London. My friends, how are we doing? Doing good, thanks. I'm 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 happy that you're the host again actually. I'm, I feel <laughs> way I feel more comfortable like this. You know, I got a lot of feedback actually to that FPL episode. People appreciated your support. <laughs> That's good, man. It's good to hear. Thanks. What's, what's what's new with you, Dwayne? What's happening? Uh nothing. I'm happy to be back. It's been a while since I've seen you guys. But yeah, yeah it's nice to be back with you. New season, new hair. I love it. I love to see it. <laughs> now, as Toto is still abroad, uh, there were some lovely photos of him showing off his abs and his new hairdo over in Mexico. Uh, for the three of us, however, it's it's business as usual. We were watching the Prem. This is where our main focus will lie, right after the one-minute update to get all our listeners up to scratch. And also the classic opening questions. Um, I'll start with you, Armand. If you had to swap managers with one other Premier League club, who would you trade Arteta with? It's a trick question. No. Yeah, I mean, I would trade it with Guardiola. I mean, I mean, Klopp's a shout, but I was I was about to say I feel, I feel like Klopp. I mean, could Klopp's fit. a shout, but Klopp could feel could could fit. I awesome. feel like I feel like Klopp just maybe needs a, a break. He seems a bit like pff, I I, I kind of had enough of this. He's always moaning and it's always like whenever something goes wrong, he he doesn't hesitate to point it out. So. Uh, yeah, it's 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 actually not it's not that um it's not that far, but Guardiola for me is elite. So Fair yeah. enough. Now Dwayne, tonight Premier League start for Man United. Which United opening day of the Premier League come to mind when you think back? Weirdly, the first one that comes back was uh the last year we won the title. I think we lost our opening oh, game to Everton. This is crazy. That's the exact 2012 back to as well. Yeah, this, yeah 2012. Still... Yeah, like a, a soggy. Yeah, this was a soggy Monday night game at Everton away. Yeah. One nil. Fellaini think... scored. Fellaini scored. Yeah. <laughs> oh, how? Then you, Why? Then you signed like, him. <laughs> we've had opening days since where like we've beat Chelsea four nil, and I think we yeah, did it twice. Have... Like how? What? And we both go to that one soggy, rainy 2012. We just signed Van Persie and still lose the game. Mess. What? Yeah, we brought we brought him off the bench. I think. I know. Yeah. But Van Pagan. (laughs) (laughs) Vividly, vividly stuck in my brain. Okay, I'll do the six second update quickly just to get people up to scratch. That's that's fascinating, Dwayne. We need to we need to see what else uh, we link up on in United's recent history. (laughs) Okay, mm-hmm. 60 seconds. It's going to be like 90 seconds. I, I test run this, but I, I you know what I mean. Here we go. The Women's World Cup is down to the last four semifinals between Spain and Sweden on Tuesday and England versus Australia on Wednesday will determine who plays the final on Sunday. The Premier League is back. Six out of... To- uh, six, well, I'll try that again. The Premier League is back. Six out of seven top seven teams kicked off their pre- Premier League campaign over the weekend. Man City beat newly promoted side Burnley by three goals to nil. 
Haaland doing Haaland things with two goals and Rodri added another. Arsenal beat Forest 2-1 at home, Saka scoring a beautiful curl and Martinelli providing some FIFA street techers leading to the assist for the first goal. Newcastle thumped Aston Villa by five goals to one in arguably the best game of the opening weekend so far. Tsnali scored on his debut, Isak impressed, but also the strength and depth showed with Barnes and Callum Wilson scoring off the bench. Tottenham Hotspur finally lost Harry Kane to Bayern and subsequently failed to win their opening game at Brentford, drawing 2-2. Madison got two assists in a hyper-entertaining opening 45 minutes. Chelsea and Liverpool drew 1-1 at Stamford Bridge. Luis Diaz put Liverpool ahead early on. And Axel Dissassi, I knew I was going to stumble Dissassi, thank you, equalised for Chelsea midway through the first half. In other Premier League news, all three promoted sides lost. Brighton beating Luton by four goals to one. And Crystal Palace beating Sheffield United 1-0 at Bramall Lane. Odson Edouard, an underrated FPL pick, perhaps, scoring the only goal. The final two Premier League games, Everton lost their home game to Fulham by 1-0, despite dominating, and Bournemouth started their campaign with a 1-1 draw at West Ham. Have since, however, confirmed the signing of James Ward-Prowse. Elsewhere, two more prominent ACL buddies have been confirmed, Militao and Courtrai, puncturing a dent in Real Madrid's back five, both due to miss a fair few months after surgery. Real Madrid have also confirmed the signing of Kepa from Chelsea on a loan, and Tyron Mings has also been confirmed to join the club of ACL buddies, although it's not actually sure it's an ACL injury with him. It's just a bad knee injury, which usually is an ACL. Finally, random as hell, but Roberto Mancini has resigned as head coach of Italy, of Italy's men's national team, that is. And he's already in talks to become Saudi Arabia's new national team coach somehow. PSG signed Usman Dembele, Dembele and have subsequently, and this is where we'll start the roundup, released Neymar to join Al-Hilal. Now, that's yeah. I mean, ninety seconds. Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna. I'm gonna get there eventually. Oh, gonna, pretty impressive, though. I'm gonna eventually do this in in one minute. But now everyone's up to date. <laughs> now we know what we're talking about. Let's let's jump in with with the big news for today, which is Neymar going to Saudi Arabia. Another one down. He is thirty plus, so it's not exactly Neymar in his prime. But a lot of people have been online, have been saying, oh, he's a failure. He's not really achieved enough for, for the potential that he had. Armand, do, do you agree with this assessment of, of Neymar's career? Could he have done more? Yeah, his ceiling was very high. We should, we were actually was discussing it at the, at the football camp with the coaches as well, like how good he actually was in in his spell of two, three years in Barcelona. I mean the joy how he how he moves and how elegant he plays the left foot the right foot the the even even I think his his finishing and his shooting was was very underrated so yes it's so very where is, disappointing. While, the, while I agree with all of this I still have yeah. this lingering sensation of he didn't quite do himself justice no no I think if you if he looks back even he, himself would admit that he didn't win or achieve um enough yeah so i think he won one champions league fewer ligas i don't think that's that's enough with a, with a player of his quality of course you you're influenced by a lot of things teammates and club and the sort of the sort of uh, opponents you face but in the world cup as well but yeah for for sure, he 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 will look back and he would maybe done things a bit different. 
when where do you stand on this on this uh, Neymar debate? Do you do you think he did himself justice, or are you do you quite agree with with Armand on this? I think it's a weird one because everybody looks at Neymar like he was one of the best players in the world, which he was, like he was third best in the world. But the problem for him was being in the same era as Messi and Ronaldo. Because had he come a bit later, he would have won himself the Ballon d'Ors that people thought he was going to win. Because he was top 10 while at Santos, which I don't think it's going to happen for like years for a person outside of Europe to be top 10 like that. So I think... It's just unlucky that he had to be in the same years as Messi and Ronaldo because those two dominated for so long that it just didn't give anyone else the chance to win the Ballon d'Or. But other things like the Champions League, there were issues here and there. There were some things out of his control, especially at the time of PSG. I think he was injured for a couple of knockouts where he couldn't do anything. It's it's not like his career his career is not as good as it should be because he is equal as the all-time Brazilian goal scorer as well so he's done a lot in his career it's just that promise that everyone had lived up like Ronaldo Messi expectations that never was accepted by him and I don't, it never lived up to that so I think that's where people say that he hasn't gone as high as he could have gone yeah for sure meanwhile another player pursuing what Neymar has plenty of trophies is Harry Kane he has been a, a frequently mentioned name on the pod in various contexts He's now joined Bayern Munich. They've immediately lost the Super Cup. The memes were far and, and widely spread. A good move for Harry Kane, Dwayne, do you reckon? Uh, it's a good move if Bayern can win the Champions League. But if they if they win the Bundesliga and they don't win the Champions League, I don't think it really means that much that Harry Kane's won a trophy because it's a league where they've won like 11 straight titles where they've, they keep dominating and Harry Kane, yes, he's the striker they need, but it's not like not having him doesn't mean they're not going to win the league. They could still win the league without him. So I think if they can guarantee themselves winning a Champions League or getting really far in that stages, I think it's a good move. But apart from that, the Premier League goal-scoring record probably means more than a Bundesliga does. Armand, the Premier League has actually Tottenham Hotspur, your biggest rivals, have lost their captain and talismanic striker. I see a smile on your face. You happy? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a bit more um, calmer when we play them. Yeah, so, yeah, I am happy about the move. And I think some people, maybe, especially like I saw on Sky Sports and in the British media, I think they disregard how big of a club Bayern Munich actually is. And to wear that shirt is not... I don't think you should take it for granted, you know. It's a very big club with a with weather, very high prestige. And I think it's a good move for him because it actually with him there, there they can compete for the Champions League again, I think. Um and yeah, I think it's I mean Dwayne just said if they can guarantee a Champions League, yeah, sure, but that's also down to him as well. So it's it's his responsibility as well to to um yeah to be successful and uh, score lots of goals just a, a quick last word on this topic before we move on to the premier league it, I, I agree with you arman i saw this as well british media kind of downplaying the move almost kind of 
having a bit of a go at Harry Kane for perhaps not chasing Alan Shearer's goal record or, you know, joining another Premier League club to win the Premier League, kind of saying the Bundesliga isn't worth quite as much if you win it with Bayern. The, do you... Do you agree with this? Is this or does this perhaps also dent his, his chances in the national team, where he's the captain as well, and he's meant to be the leader of the group? Does this have an effect on that too, or is that a bit just media making stuff up? I don't think the the national team is an issue because he is so, he has such much so much credit in the bank, and he's the best English player probably. So and he's the captain. So I I don't think that aspect is is in danger. With the with the Alan Shearer record, I mean, everybody talks about the title, Champions League, Bundesliga, Alan Shearer record. These are the kind of words that are being th- thrown into it, and I and I and I get that it would be a huge achievement to to break this record, and for sure he thought about it. But also, just to be Harry Kane, he spent ten years at Tottenham now. It's not just I think about the about the trophies, and of course it's a big part, but I think at some stage in your career you just want to go to a different training ground and see different people and, you know, challenge yourself. Um, so I, I also see that this aspect of it, you know, get out of your comfort zone and, and play with some other players, play with, with uh, I don't know, with with Leroy Sané, with Kingsley Coman, with uh, Musiala. I think it's just for sure, I'm 100% sure it's going to develop his game if he if he gets out of his comfort zone and, and yeah, maybe play with different players from time to time. Okay, let's dive into the Premier League fun. First of all, how good was it to have the Premier League back? I always find myself thinking in the summer months or the summer weeks when it's not on, oh, is this next season even going to be as cool as last season? Are we going to see the goals, the drama? And then even just half a, a game week in and you're like, Yes, we absolutely are. It, I mean, there's so many great games already. Newcastle, Aston Villa for starters, 5-1, even though it could have been 2-2, uh, but also 7-0 to Newcastle. They were just so clinical. Uh, Brentford, Tottenham had a brilliant first half. Liverpool, Chelsea deliver. I mean, just just to start off, how good is it to have the Premier League back? Dwayne, surely you feel this passion as well. Oh, it's it's so good. It's the that's the whole summer vibe, you know. When England weather in summer is depressing, everything's depressing, and then you look for a Saturday to be there, and you look for the Premier League, and it's not there, and it just makes your day even worse. And for it to return, it's just it just gives people something to look forward to in the weekend, and it's just it's just, it just raises everyone's morale so much. Like going back to stadiums, going back to the pub to watch the game, it's just incredible. It's so good to have the Premier League back. Yeah, for sure. Share with me your thoughts on that Newcastle Aston Villa game, Dwayne. Were you impressed by Newcastle or disappointed in Aston Villa, or was it actually not a fair reflection that five-one? Was it a bit much? I was impressed with Newcastle. I think they're fantastic. the The variations in their game, the physicality that they always have, and Isaac is incredible. He's so confident. He's so He's so silky and he doesn't do anything like too much. You don't see him doing 10, 15 step overs. You just see him take the ball, put his head down and just run past people. And it's so exciting to watch. And Newcastle are so exciting because they're so quick when they build up and they always look to like find the earliest goal threat. Aston Villa, I think they were just taken back. I think it was just the storm that hit them and they just couldn't weather it. But 
I don't think it's a fair reflection on Villa. I think they'll be back really soon. But Newcastle is just fantastic. It's just it's just so refreshing seeing a team outside the traditional big six just take the game every single week and then deliver like that. And Newcastle are fantastic. Yeah, they they are scary. They are very scary. It, it, what really scared me, I said it earlier there in the update, is is the strength and depth. You know, they now can just bring on Harvey Barnes and and give players like like Gordon just half an hour rest. You know, to see the game out and and Callum Wilson comes on and he just you know goes and has a go himself and and scores a goal and he's up and running for the season and scary hours. I'm going to give a quick shout out to to Brentford versus Tottenham, Armin. I know you had Wilmore in your fantasy Premier League team. Uh, again, the grin is back on your face. You did well to get those points. You, I mean, what a game it was, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, especially in the first half. Very good game, very end-to-end. I felt Brentford had, um, especially after the first 15 minutes, they were quite quite a bit on top and they... Tottenham made a few errors, um, passing the ball out of their back four to the midfield didn't work as 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 cleanly as they would have wanted, and Brentford managed to to press them really effectively. Um, yeah, but I think both sides showed some good some uh, good uh, plays. Um, yeah, Brent Boemer should actually have got two. You you saw the sitter he missed. Oh man, that would have been a uh, post one. It's a tap that in. would have been uh, twelve points in the bank. But yeah, it is what it is. Now it was a very good game in the second half. It uh, it was a bit more quiet, but first half was 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 like really a typical Premier League end to end game. And James, and shout out to James Madison because he he created a lot in that in that Spurs team with a really disappointing Richarlison. I think even linking up play wasn't really wasn't really good from him. Yeah, he has big shoes to fill now with with Harry Kane's yeah. departure. After Harry Kane's departure, I should say. Let's talk about your team quickly, Armand. Arsenal, Timber, Rice, Havertz, three big signings, all played. 2-1 win in the end. Should it have been more comfortable? Or are we just happy that Saka scored an absolute screamer on match day one? Where, where do you stand? Yeah, it wasn't really... I didn't think we played very good. Actually, um, yeah, we had most of the ball, but it was it wasn't as fluid as normally. It it wasn't as fluid, and uh, yeah, it, it it didn't feel right. The the system they played in it just it lacked something. It lacked that cutting edge, that energy, like Newcastle did against Aston Villa, where they just constantly pressured them, never giving them a second rest. But yeah, for sure. I mean, you when you take out Shaka and you're placing him with with Harvard or and Rice, it just needs probably needs some time. And uh, party coming in from the right back position to, to drift inside. I don't know how's that gonna pan out. But yeah, I I saw some wearing signs actually. I, I'm I was a bit disappointed with with the with the with the performance, you know. Yeah, I, I agree with you. This whole party thing looked a lot like an experiment. It looked like yeah. he wasn't quite sure yet what his best team was. And and we spoke about this over the the summer break as well. The Arsenal are almost doing a bit of a rebuild with Chaka going out, Rice coming in to replace him. 
Dwayne, is this the same Arsenal that we saw last season, or is uh, can you see Arteta trying to change stuff up for this year? I think the party thing was very interesting because Timber was signed specifically to do that role, and it was it was interesting seeing another midfielder thrown in. I think Arteta may have wanted more protection. I don't I don't understand it essentially, but I think it's a it's a development using the same players that Arteta has got because he's still asking Saka and Martinelli to do their things. But it was interesting seeing Declan Rice so much higher up the pitch than I thought anyone would have expected to see him because he was in the box a fair few times. He got a couple, three or four shots off today. But it's interesting seeing how they're using the same principles of what they do, but adjusting it to the personnel because Havertz is no Rice, but Havertz may be a better player inside the box than Rice. And it was interesting to see how much it was inside the box. So I think it's it's a little bit development. He's adjusting to the personnel. I don't think it was the most crisp Arsenal performance, especially in the second half. But I don't think there are things that they should go look at and instantly wonder whether they should change them. I think they'll be fine. It's a bit of a first game, uh, shaking off your boot stuff. I think it's just stuff that they've got to get ironed out and they'll be fine again. And you know what I find interesting? I think constantly playing the system, surely when they scored the second goal, you should adapt a bit. I mean, they we had the ball in the in the final third and party was again moving inside. When I just think, you know, just adapt, just stay behind for for this short of period of time, for the next five or six minutes, just to ease things up. And then we lost the ball and then um Elanga was alone on the left side and this was the, the I don't know if you if you remember the chance Morgan Gibbs Whitehead when he when he uh missed the missed it Slept and he went the over ball, the ball. He? Yeah he slept. It was exactly exactly this this uh this sequence where party drifted inside and in that moment we lost the ball and then Elanga um went through our whole midfield, you know. So he looked very sharp by the way Elanga. If anything, that's the yeah. concerning side is how easily Arsenal were able to be devoured on the counter-attack. I think yeah, that's exactly. my concerning side because they yeah. were just hit so easily on the counter-attack twice or thrice that game. Yeah, that's I agree. Sure. I agree. It was, uh, yeah, Langa looked really, really strong. It'd be interesting to yeah. see how Notts Forests shape up against the lesser teams and if they want to yeah. still play on the counter using the speed of Johnson, Elanga and Gibbs-White, etc., or if they still uh, want to try and keep hold of the ball and, and maybe dominate possession themselves. Before we move on to our main feature, the Chelsea-Liverpool game, Dwayne, talk to me about this trend of fullbacks becoming centre mids, because it's it was first, I think first, I saw it first at least, when Guardiola told the likes of Sinchenko and Cancelo to drift inside. Now it's kind of become a mainstay. Arsenal were doing it all of last season or to some extent last season with Sinchenko, Ben White less so. Trent is now in midfield at Liverpool. Is this the future of, of modern top football or, or is it just like a a little fashion thing that people are doing? I think uh, when you look at the evolution of football as a whole, the position that's probably evolved the most our goalkeepers and fullbacks, and with with wingers like when I mean, you've got wingers like Mares Saka who are really good on the touchline, you probably don't want to crowd them as much. So you you send a player who is so comfortable in midfield scenario like uh, Trent, for example, is one of the best players 
at being inside the half space and finding passes. So when you have players like that, it's about putting them in the best positions as opposed to like putting them onto the pitch and asking them to do something, just let them run free. And it's just an extra body in midfield. It just helps you keep the ball better. If you lose the ball, your press is more together because you've got three or four players around uh, around in central area. So I think it's uh, it's very nice. It's very different to see the use of fullbacks from your traditional wingbacks on the touchline. So I think it's definitely not a fashion thing. I think it's here to stay. But I think it could be developed even more depending on the personnel you've got. But Guardiola is probably the best at doing it. Definitely. Yeah, this is a beautiful segue into the Chelsea versus Liverpool debate uh, or the, the, the discussion about the game, I should say. 1-1, as mentioned before, both teams had actually scored an offside goal and had it chalked off. It's like the fifth or sixth draw in the row between the two of them. And and maybe let's start with the fullbacks because there were, I mean, there were four fullbacks on the pitch, three of which... I thought really dominate or like had a proper impact on the game. Trent, Chilwell and, and James in particular, Robbo, maybe not as much as he could have done or as he has done in the past. Is that a good point to to start, Armand? Were you very impressed with especially Chilwell's performance out of the three of them? Yeah, Chilwell, Andrews, James, I think they were exceptional. I think if Chelsea can keep them fit over a season, that would be really important. What impressed almost... you about what what impressed you about them? Was it the way they yeah. were tactically set up or the way they interpreted yeah. their roles? Both, both, both actually. I think it was a very, very brave, very brave uh, lineup in possession for Chelsea, and they were really aggressive, and I liked it. And and they were almost playing like high wingers, like not even like proper wingers, high wingers. And I thought that was a really interesting approach. It was like it's the same system which they did under like Tuchel and and um, and Potter, Conte. but just a, a step Conte, just a step more offensively. And I mean, Reese James and Chilwell offensively. I mean, they're brilliant. Um, James bombing down this ref, uh, this right hand side was amazing. He's so so quick. He's so strong. Sterling found some good good passes to him and he could have easily had two two assists and Chilwell as well. I mean, Chilwell is so technically gifted as well. He, he has that, even though he's a defender in a way, he has that, he has that nose for a goal. Uh, he, he's, he actually scores a lot of goals and you, you see that in the, in the goal he scores, which, which was, um, was offside, unfortunately for my FPL account. Um, yeah, he was, he was really good. And, um, I thought Conor Gallagher was good as well. Um, he was he he looked very fit, and um, Enzo Fernandez as well. And if they get Caicedo now, which they which they do, they they can have a good season. Chelsea. We spoke about Chelsea a lot over the summer, and we we said we didn't quite know what to expect. We weren't sure if they were going to challenge for the title or struggle to avoid relegation. Really, it's a bit of an over exaggeration, but you know what I mean. What have yeah. we learned? What have we learned about Chelsea from this first game? That yeah, it probably needs. They had very good spells in the game, but then they had then again they had that spells where they didn't look as organized. W- with the goal, for example, for Luis Diaz, um, I don't know what's the what's the defender called, but I he basically him. yeah he missed. I don't know if it was him, but. He just missed to 
to stay on the same line as the other three defenders. And that is that is a, a mistake that just it it can't happen against Liverpool. It it just can't. And then, I mean, uh, Salah has the quality to see to see the pass and, and the good finish from Diaz. Yeah, I think what we learned is that they were they're very they're very they were very positive in 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 contrast to last season. So yeah, with with time, I'm sure they can develop a system which they will be which they can be more effective and. I mean, if Nkuku played, I think it would be a, a bit of a different game as well. I was thinking this as well, Nkuku. I think your fullback discussion is very interesting there because you brought up the use of inverted fullbacks. But yeah, it's very refreshing to see Pochettino correctly profile his players because yeah, uh, with the whole fuss about inverted fullbacks and how they provide a great person in midfield, but he's understood that Chilwell is probably a better touchline player than he is, and he's a love. Ben Chilwell to like stay on the touchlines as opposed to for the sake of it let's use an inverted wing back because it gives us players in the midfield so I think it's really essential and it's really nice to see Pochettino accurately profile the players yeah. which is something that Lampard didn't do something Tuchel didn't do as well as people thought he did because he used Mount much higher up and Mount was better at bringing up the play himself so I think it's nice to see a Chelsea manager accurately profiling his players so it'll be an interesting season, I think, for Chelsea for sure. I think the sky's the limit. It just depends on how well they can they can gel together with all the new faces they've brought in, new managers. I think that's just the key factor there. Yeah, and I think you just need to adapt as well. I mean, if you have Trent Definitely. and Sinchenko, that's an, uh, another approach you need to take. You know, they're not exactly Sinch- yeah. Sinchenko is not a Reese James, you know, but I think he's the best, probably the best fullback doing the inverted fullback job in the league. I think. In my opinion, so you just need. I think you need to adapt, and I think yeah, Pochettino done it really. Did the right thing there. I want to just draw your attention to an, another player that I felt watching the game. Chelsea's game was sort of set up around, which is Enzo Fernandez in midfield. I feel like the whole system is. It's maybe a bit of an over exaggeration because the fullbacks are very dominant, but in midfield, every every ball seems to go through him. He seems to be the one playmaking kind of, and, and the acquisition of Caicedo suggests to me that they want to kind of get that eight, so so or that enforcer, I should say, maybe not even eight, maybe more six than enforcer, so Enzo can run the show more independently. What do you make of 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 him, Dwayne? Because he's not had the easiest start in that very difficult last six month period at Chelsea. I think, I personally, I think like his start wasn't all down to him because last season they brought in so many eights instead of like Kante was injured the entire season. Had Kante been fit next to Enzo, I think we would have seen a very similar Enzo for the latter part of the season that we did today. But last season, they tried. They ironically they tried him in the destroyer role, which is not really his game. His game is what we saw against Liverpool. He's just constantly on the ball, breaking the first lines of the press, just clipping balls into the wing backs, which is something he just loves to do. He just receives the ball and just clips it into the wing back, and he just starts an attack. And I think for such high volumes of pass to have that pass percentage is incredible. It's a testament to how good he is. And with Caicedo coming in next to him, you could see Caicedo doing the Gallagher role from Liverpool in terms of winning the ball in the midfield but step it up even more so it's interesting that I think it's like you said I think Enzo is the key player in a way 
because I don't think there's another midfielder in Chelsea's books that can replicate what he does. But I feel like the other roles can be replicated by other players. I think Enzo is the one that will determine. And his passive choice selection is so good. He's on the money yeah. every single time. I, I think there was a play towards the end of the game where Sterling found him on the edge of the box. And I think everybody was screaming, shoot. But he sees a pass to the left winger that no one else sees. And he just first time across the box to the left winger. I can't remember, was it... I think it might have been Mudrick or it might have been Chilwell on that position at the time. And Enzo's pass selection is incredible. And just nice to see him roaming all over the pitch as, as opposed to being assigned to a particular space. Yeah, he'd be an exciting player to watch for the probably next 10 years almost. He's so young. This the last point on Chelsea, Armin. I, I want to know from you, Caicedo is next on the list. It seems like they... We've discussed their transfer dealings in and out. How far off are they from kind of almost worrying you a little bit? How many play? I mean, I'm assuming a goalkeeper is on the list. Who else do you think they they need to go and get? Or is this Chelsea the way it is now? Do they have all the resources needed? Yeah, I do think they 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 like maybe another established in their prime centre back. You know. I feel almost sometimes Thiago Silva is more of a a comfort feeling for the center back who is paired with him in a way, and that gives him a lot of guidance and comfort. And um, yeah, he's so he doesn't make any mistakes. He's so he's so solid. But I think I mean I I mentioned I think Kim Pempe or or who it was at um, at our transfer podcast. So yeah, maybe a center back, maybe a goalkeeper, but. They they worry me already to be honest because I can see, I can already see from that first game and from preseason what he what he wants to do Pochettino, and the quality of players is there. Yeah, of course, unfortunately or not unfortunately for, for if you're a rival fan and Kunku is injured now for a very long time and that disrupts the the process, especially for this season. Really, oh, I'm so sorry. This interrupts the preseason, uh, the the season, so much because I'm sure he was a very big plan and of, offensively he creates so much. But yeah, even Sterling looked really good yesterday. He re- looked really sharp. So yeah, I, I I worry already, and they have, they have they have they have a setup now which they can, which they can grow. I think we need to take a break, guy. Eh? Yes, we do need to take a break. (laughs) We're swapping roles now. I love this. Okay, we are actually now going to take a break and we will come back and talk Liverpool in just a sec. Just on Alisson, I mean, I think he made a very... I mean, he didn't save it in a way, but he was very good in jumping out of the goal and um, aggressively so that Mudrik had had to drift wide again in a way. So I think if you if you watch the highlights back, you should you should notice the it's positioning not even, of It's of not Alisson. even that moment. I just I just don't see Mudrik. I don't know. It's so, so many times he just kind of his he has that speed, no doubt. He has the pace, yeah. and then he just takes that one touch too many, or his first touch is off. Or but he's still it, young, man. Yeah, mm. but I, I don't know. I see some like with Nunez, for instance. I saw. You know, he was missing all these chances last year. And I still was like, yeah, but he's scoring 20 goals. He's linking up the play well. He's getting in on the action. 
I mean, I wasn't worried for Nunez. With Modric, I'm like, I don't know if this stuff will come, man. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, we'll see. Okay, we are... That first are... game against Liverpool was like... That first game, his debut was like, everyone looked at him exciting. But then since then, he doesn't really have that... Yeah. He hasn't got that same composure. I don't think he still has the same confidence that he had where... In that first game, he was just not afraid to try anything. But recently, we've just seen him so timid and like passing the ball back as opposed to trying to directly enforce things. So I just yeah. feel like he's lacking a bit of confidence right I now. I agree 100%. Yeah. Okay, let me do my We Are Back bit. <laughs> and we are back to discuss Liverpool. Or at least the part that Liverpool offered to this game. They came out the block storming. They played with a very attacking lineup with Gakpo in midfield next to Soboslai and, and McAllister kind of the holding, quote-unquote, midfielder in there. And for the first 20 minutes, Dwayne, it looked like they were just going to run away with it. And then the momentum changed with Salah's disallowed goal. What did you make of, of Liverpool's first sort of opening 15, 20 minutes? I think when you put all those attacking players together onto the pitch. The first instinct is let's just try and get ahead. So that first 15, 20 minutes was them sort of freestyling and seeing what all these brilliant technical players could do. And it worked wonders. I think Salah for the first 10 minutes had his man on toast. Like he was just getting past him, doing whatever he wanted. But I think as you can't keep up that level of intensity for 45 minutes like straight away so I think once Chelsea weathered up the storm this a love goal helps but I think once they did I think they found out that there are gaps to, there to be exposed especially when you have a natural born left winger striker combo as a midfielder I think there were obvious deficiencies in Liverpool and I think once you allow a team to settle and with the storm I think they'll figure it out and I think that's exactly what Chelsea did and I think that's why they were in control up until about the 75th minute of the game afterwards. Armand, was that Salah disallowed goal? Brilliant pass by Trent, by the way. Was that the turning point for you in the game as well? Or, or what, what? how did you see this? Yeah, I didn't see it as um, abruptly like that. But I think the first half was just, they were both... Um, in a way they were set up offensively and they were, it was so end-to-end that I de- didn't see maybe spells of maybe five minutes or, or, or seven minutes where one side was a bit more attack and then was a bit more again the other the other side so when Luis, Luis Diaz scored that goal I was thinking like that just co- could have go down the other end as well and it wouldn't been it, it wasn't much of it wasn't much of a difference there in the first half it was swinging all the way, and that was that why it was so so entertaining. So I didn't think there was an obvious dominator in that first half. It was just it was momentum's kind of shifting all the time from. So I think it was it was very interesting to watch, and but yeah, it it does. If you if you look at the at the stats, it it does seem that way that um, after the the Salah goal was disallowed that. Um, that the Chelsea and the crowd got got up a bit again, and they 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 had some more energy and they found more spaces in behind. But yeah, I mean, if 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 that goal stands, I mean, it was obviously offside. But if it would it would stand, then maybe it would have been actually a bit of a mood killer. And Stamford Bridge was a bit quiet as well, not yeah, of the less. Can. So 
the crowd needed a bit of a of spark to get going yeah. after the lot of uncertainty in in the summer and and towards the back end of last season. Yeah, sure. Dwayne, talk me through the Chelsea goal, the one that stood. I mean, is is this a result of of Liverpool's sussy back line? Um, I think it is. It is, and it isn't because it's a goal that could be avoided. But at the same time, it's like Liverpool's defensive issues have been notable for issues that they still haven't seemed to be taken care of. Particularly in the last game, I thought a number of Chelsea's attacks were favourable towards the left side, down Chilwell's area. And it's always been the question with Trent is how defensively resolute is he and does he bring midfielders out of his position to cover him? So I think Liverpool's defensive issues are still the same thing they've had for the past couple of years. And I don't think Klopp's done enough to change it. Or maybe it's a bit much of stubbornness thinking he's got better players. Maybe they can win the game for him. Or maybe it's a recruitment thing where they haven't identified the correct personnel to take over. But their defensive issues are still they are still visual. Like You can see on the pitch, you can just see that there are instances where... It doesn't look good for them. Yeah, I think as well, I agree 100%. But if you look at that back four, it's just way more exposed than, let's say, five years, four years ago. If you if you look at the, the apart from the back four, the other six outfield players in a way, back in the day, it was Henderson, Wijnaldum, Fabinho, Mane and Firmino and Salah. These were six players who worked their asses off. They work their ass off and it's just, it makes the job for the back four so much easier. That, that's why they did, rarely conceded the goal because these three midfielders and even, and especially Mane, I think, they were pressing monsters and counter-pressing monsters who were very organized and very disciplined. And I think that's probably why they were struggling and now struggling as well defensively because they don't have that same aggressiveness in the counter-press and in the press, you know. So I think that that's where that's where probably the the problems lie, and that's why Caicedo would have been so important for them to get done. Yeah, he would have added very well to kind of been a, a sort of a, an organic fit into that midfield that yeah. needs legs. Because I felt even with the three players they had in midfield, Gakpo and and Sobuzlai, who I thought was was very impressive either side of of McAllister it is more energetic midfield than the one that has now left over the summer. The question yeah. is, is it enough to, you know, go and do stuff in the league? Dwayne, do you think Liverpool have the manpower or do they like, I mean, Klopp was saying they need a number six. Is that enough? Do they need to add more legs maybe to the defence as well? I think this squad's really top heavy because you've got, in my eyes, six capable attacking players in the front three. You've got Nunes, um, Jota, Gakpo, Salah, these uh, Diaz, and then you bring on Harvey Elliott. And these are all players that are, are used to playing in the front three. And even suppose like could do a shift on the left. Whereas in midfield, you haven't really got the bodies in that team that they usually should have. McAllister as a six is interesting because I think he's only there because they can't find another midfielder to play that role. 
but he was very impressive as well yesterday. I think he was incredible with the way... I, I think he won the ball back the most on the pitch and he was incredible. But it just seems like if him and Sabozlai have an anchor, a person, ironically, of Fabinho in his prime, if they had that guy right there, they could work things out better. And I do agree with him that he needs six because a, in a four-three-three, a six is an essential part of your team. It's It's literally the spine of your team. And he hasn't got that guy yet. And it's forcing him to try things outside his comfort zone. And I do agree that team does need maybe a couple more midfielders, maybe another centre-back. Probably. Probably not some cover for Trent Alexander-Arnold because if he goes down, their whole system implodes as well. I don't think I don't think they're there yet. I think they're about two or three players off. Yeah, interesting times. Aman, anything to add to that game? Before we move yeah. on, yeah, I just for two things. I think Luis Diaz looked very sharp again, and I think he should be on that left spot nailed on. I don't see anyone for that left winger role, especially. I don't see Shota or Gakpo better than him. Again, I think he was like a counter attack where he just completely had uh, ran. And past a defender, I don't know who it was, but it was just like the first five meters. He's so quick, he's so sharp, and he he has a very good finish as well. So I I, I hope for him that he has a good season as well. And on that second goal, um, on the goal from Chelsea, it was like a second phase of a corner, and they were just not coming out of their block. I think it was Sterling who played the ball to Enzo out again. And there was no pressure on the on the on the cross. No pressure. I was yeah, and then a very poor headed clearance by Sobosai as well. Did you did you yeah. also notice that? I mean, it was crazy. So that's not that's not that's not organized. That's not like an organization. Organ- say tactical. Yeah, it was not an organization problem. It was a problem of of um, of uh, intent in a way. So yeah, I was I was really surprised by that action. Yeah, and Dizzy as well to to put it away. To be fair, ugly goal, but they all count. Yeah, there's a couple more things you can talk about. I think for all Liverpool's problems in like midfield and defense, their attack is scary. After yeah. having to deal with like Diaz, Gakpo, and Salah for sixty minutes to see Jota and Nunes coming on is probably a defender's nightmare. Yeah. And secondly, was that a miss handball on what Nicholas Jackson? Was that a handball? For me, it's a handball. It's harsh, but it's a handball for me. So I don't, I don't know why they didn't get that. What yeah, do you it's, think it's another one of those of those ones where I don't know, like no, no one really knows what the rule is anymore, do they? So it it might one day be a handball, next day it isn't. Like it's not a clear cut I mean, one, but you, you've, you've definitely just as well seen, seen. Yeah, exactly. You've seen them given. We've seen. I think we've yeah, we've given. we've seen um, much less given. Yeah, so. I agree. Yeah. Completely agree with you there, but let's see. Maybe that's the line now. You know, that's yeah. Maybe, if they, if yeah, this is consistently two. now the way they, yeah. The rest but then, then I'm all for it. Then, yeah, then I'm the first sure. person who says no. That's not a handball. You know, fair enough. I would be happy about that. Now, just to wrap it up, let's chat quickly about United tonight. They start their Premier League campaign with a home game uh, against Wolves, who have recently parted company with their coach Lopetegui and have now hired Gary O'Neill you need a big performance from Rashford I think Armand and Onana is that correct I, th- 
I think we all need that. <laughs> I <laughs> definitely do. I definitely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, Bruno as well for me. But yeah, a lot of people have have Rashford, and for for the people who don't know, we're talking about fantasy Premier League. Yeah, um, I think a lot of people have Rashford, but just to 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 um to come back to the to the game, I think it's going to be a straightforward win for United today. I don't think they will they will struggle. There will be a lots of um, it's the first game, you know. They will be hyped, and Wolves are just not ready yet, nowhere near ready yet, as far as their squad is concerned. And Gary O'Neill probably has I don't know one one week of training sessions behind him. So yeah, it's obviously a very mm, tricky situation at Wolves at the moment. So yeah, yeah I, I don't think I don't think they will they will have any problems today. I really hope you haven't jinxed this now, Dwayne. What do you think? <laughs> I hope United, I have. <laughs> United going to cruise to to three points. Well, I would love to Fabs, but how often have we seen a new manager come in and immediately the atmosphere bounces up, changes the different football like even I think we had it last year when Jesse Marsh was sacked immediately before our game and then the new assistant manager comes in yeah. and all of a sudden Leeds are dominating us so I think it's really a weird thing where you'd expect us to put them away comfortably but the new manager bounce is a real thing I can't uh, it's it's a bit nerve-wracking that part but yeah, we have been that. a pretty good opening side for the past few Barring last year, for the past couple of seasons, we've been a decent side on opening day. So I'm expecting us to go out there looking rejuvenated and get three points on the board, start the season off the right way. And a clean sheet, because I've got one on I my FPL goal. Okay. Yeah. Boys, I've that's all we have shot. time for. I need the clean sheet. Yeah, yeah. I mean I mean for, for many people this is a this is a make or break game week one. <laughs> Boys, thank you very much for hopping on to this pod. I enjoyed this almost an hour very much as always interesting stuffs keep an eye out for more fpl content as well armin and i are working on a little side project uh we will be back as well next week with with updates from the second week of the premier league uh the champions league draw is not too far away it's all happening is it this week the champions league? no 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 it's another couple of weeks but i'm just giving us oh no they need to they need to, need play, to qualify play. first <laughs> <laughs> Women's World Cup semi-finals too. World Cup semi-finals tomorrow and and the day after, plus the final on Sunday. That will also be before our next episode, I think. So uh, yeah, exciting, exciting times again. And yes, the Bundesliga starts as well, which for us in Switzerland is always exciting too. So plenty more football to come. <laughs>